0: Hi everyone, welcome back to this very special episode of the win-win podcast with a guest who is a fellow podcaster, Lindsay Metzeler, founder of We Met at Acme, a very popular millennial dating podcast. She's also a founder of Lindsay's Lunchbox, which is a social media consultancy and all around just someone with a very unique point of view that I thought would be lots of fun to bring on the podcast. I won't lie, it was really tempting to spend the podcast asking Lindsay dating advice and dating questions, but instead we had an amazing conversation on how she's built a real business and a brand out of the two industries, dating and social media, that often are not really talked about from an innovation point of view, which I think is honestly a missed opportunity. I also think it's really key to talk about All of the facets of being a woman, a woman in innovation, a woman looking to advance in her career, and I think that dating and family life is a really important part of that. As this podcast also evolves and grows, I look forward to bringing on more guests like Lindsay who can offer their immense business knowledge and subject matter expertise in their industry, but also offer some advice on just navigating life as a woman, period. As always, I look forward to hearing from you. You can reach out to me via email or our Instagram, which is just Women in Innovation, or on my LinkedIn, which is, of course, just my name. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode with Lindsay of We Met at Acme. Hi, Lindsay. Welcome to the Win Win Podcast. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you, and I want to get started by calling out that while I personally am an avid listener of your podcast, We Met at Acme, and think that anyone who's not following your dating (laughs) rules is frankly missing out, I think you really embody being a woman in innovation by actually launching two businesses, your social media consultancy, Lindsay's Lunchbox, and We Met at Acme, as well as actually monetizing them. So... For those of our listeners who don't know, you actually got fired from your job in 2016 yes. when you were still doing social media management for another company and started Lindsay's Lunchbox right after. So how old were you when you were fired? What was the experience like? And how did it lead you to starting Lindsay's Lunchbox? I was 23 when I was
1: fired and like my world was crashing down. I was a, an assistant assistant to a a president at a company and I got fired. And, you know, looking back, obviously being an assistant is not my strong suit and would not have been, but, um, I didn't know that yet. And I got fired and it kind of spiraled me into this like crisis of like, Oh, I'm 23 and I'm fired and I've been dumped and I live at home. And it took me a while to kind of get myself back up again. And then I started, you know, doing different jobs from there, and realizing social media is something that um, I'm really aligned with, and something that I'm good at, and that you can make money off of it, which is awesome because it's something that you know we all use on a daily basis and don't right. make money. So if there was mm-hmm. a way I could do it for brands, that would be awesome. And so then I kind of pivoted to doing social media for brands, and then I like did really well for one specific company, and word got out about me as a social media manager. And it was just about then when I started an agency where it was just like a consulting agency for multiple brands when it came to social
0: media. You know, you you mentioned this, but thinking about social media as a field, if my stocking serves me right, your first gig with social media was in 2013, which is, I mean, (laughs) insane to think about. Yeah. At the time, though, I'm sure people didn't even see that as a real job, right? Like, let alone the primary marketing channel of every company ever now, right? Who could have envisioned that? And I know that every day there are new industries like, I don't know, crypto that come up. And I'm sure our listeners are maybe having hunches that they see potential in a field or job that others do not. So curious to understand your thinking of, you know, at the time of getting yourself into the social media career, how are you able to say this is legitimate or something worth pursuing?
1: Such a good question. And at the time I wasn't, and I remember I would go on dates and I would be embarrassed to say like, I work in social media. It just wasn't a thing that people understood or that people took seriously. And I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if even today, um, Mm -hmm. people were feeling, you know, weird about saying it, but It is a very legitimate career. And I think I just, you know, had to listen to my gut, which was telling me this was something that I'm good at and shouldn't be doing for free. And if people don't think it's legit, then they'll
0: hopefully eventually hop on the bandwagon. Right, right. And knowing that it was not so widespread, did you like turn to mentors or how did you, you know, figure out how to navigate that path?
1: I didn't really have any mentors in the social media world, but I Mm -hmm. did have business mentors in general. And, you know, what's so funny about doing social media, especially in 2013, is that nobody knew what they were doing. Like not one person knew. And so it was very much, you had the freedom to kind of say, okay, well, this is what I should get paid and this is what I'm going to do and kind of pave your own way, which was cool.
0: I mean, I love that about you. And as somebody who's listened to you on your podcast, I really think that it's amazing how strong you are in your convictions. But did that come naturally to you? Because I know so many people even today have such a tough time pricing themselves or asking for you know, the right salary and things like that. How, how did that come to you? Thank you. I really didn't
1: know what I should charge. But then I remember I started talking to a lawyer who helped me like draft up a contract mm. that I would send to people and he was really helpful and then I would think, oh well, this is what I would get paid when I was an employee doing in-house social media. Right. How would that look on a bigger scale? So let's say I was getting thousand dollars a month um, working at this company maybe I would have different tiers. So it would be like $1,000 a month for just Instagram. Maybe it'd be mm. like 3000 for Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you know,
0: and right, different right,
1: right. things. And then you kind of throw things around and you see what sticks. You know, because it is still a new-ish industry, you see people trying to negotiate a lot more than they would if, let's say, they hired, I don't know, a plumber or something that's right. like you always know that you have to spend a certain amount. So you definitely do a lot more negotiating, but you do know what you're worth. And if you calculate it by like hours, you know, then, then you're going to give yourself like a good, a good salary for the hours that you are working.
0: And so four years ago in October of 2017, which congrats by the way, you launched a millennial dating podcast called We Met at Acme named after the club lounge here in NoHo, which obviously I'm a big fan of. Hmm. So what initially prompted you to have such open conversations about dating, sex, loves, relationships, therapy, drug reviews on the internet?
1: Yeah, it's so crazy that it's been four years now. I would say you know, needing something like that in my life. And I've always Mm -hmm. acted the way that I would react. So for example, like I would never post something on Instagram that I personally wouldn't care for Mm -hmm. because I always try to like put out content that I would appreciate because I like to think I'm like, you know, a pretty basic consumer. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, you know, back in, 2017, I had found myself recently broken up with out of the blue. And I just needed help when it came to the realm of dating. And there was nothing that I could turn to. Like there was no dating podcast at the time. Right. It was really hard for me to find something that would help me. And so I decided to create it and hope hope that I would learn more about dating and and so would our listeners.
0: And so that's really how it began. And I think it's actually so common for people to seek out solutions to their own problems and then... Either not find them and get disappointed or make their own thing. You probably don't know this, but I started this podcast last year when I graduated out of grad school. And, you know, I spent all this time and money going there. And then all the jobs I had were rescinded because of the pandemic. And I was like, oh my God, like, what do I do now? What, you know, how do I pivot my career and figure it out? And so I yeah. started asking the most impressive, smart women for advice. And I think it's, you know, it's resonated with so many people since. But, You know, for you, how quickly did you realize that this was a business and could actually be monetized? You know, how did you convince somebody to spend money on podcasts, knowing that even today when everyone has a podcast, there's still such a monetization versus value issue? Well, first of all, I want to hear more about what you had just mentioned, because
1: that sounds really interesting. But (laughs) um, I, I didn't really know. I think we were all very much figuring it out in the podcast world. And we, you know, similar to social media, I was like, "I don't know what to charge. I don't know what to <laughs> do. Um, and luckily enough, I was able to to work with companies that had been in the podcast world for longer than I. And mm-hmm. so they had great suggestions on, okay, this brand wants to do this. Let's start at this price. And it really has to do with what what you are getting in terms of listenership. So like, let's say I was getting five, four, thousand listeners then I wouldn't really be able to charge more than like 500 for an ad, you know, it's like it goes up
0: from there. In many ways, I think that with We Met at Acme, you are the product. So is that stressful? Is that exciting? (laughs) I think it's kind of a mix of both. Like
1: it's it's definitely exciting, but it can be stressful because you're like, okay, well, I have this dating podcast. It's I talk about my own dating life. What's going to happen when I get married and have a baby? And like, will people mm-hmm. care about that, or will they want to focus on dating stuff still? And so that that kind of those thoughts
0: um, definitely creep in. Feedback, I'm sure, for you many times looks like internet trolls just saying rude things. But how do you really differentiate between the feedback that you receive into, okay, this is something that I need to pivot in my business to deliver a better product, to grow in a better way versus, you know, this probably some of the feedback feels incredibly, incredibly personal and just hurtful. It's so hard because I can see like a million
1: positive things and positive reviews, but then mm-hmm. for some reason, when I go through them, the only ones that I remember are the negative. And I think that like a lot of us do that, and it's it's so hard because we're so focused on what we're not doing. Instead of focusing on, oh, my God, look at the things I am doing. Isn't that so great? Right. And, and I think that even though that's a bad thing, it's also a good thing because you never kind of get complacent and you never say, like, oh, yeah, I've done it all. I've done enough. Um, you mm-hmm. know that, like, you got to keep at it.
0: And I wonder about the role of gender in that You know, I I forget what they call it, but if if we only had the confidence of somebody like a mediocre white dude, then as women, we would have feel like we have so much more to offer. Specifically, do you think gender has an effect on the way that you approach like taking that feedback or not taking it?
1: 100%. I think men just have this natural confidence when it comes to work. Um, Imposter syndrome, they experience it much less than women do. Mm-hmm. I think there's, like, some statistic on it, but women are not initially brought up to go into the office and work and blah, blah, blah. And so, like, when we do, we just, like, naturally have less confidence, similar to, like, I you know, how, like, if a man's in the kitchen and everyone's, like, he has no idea what he's doing, you know? And, like, it's, like, these terrible gender stereotypes that we've just been been, like, labeled and stuck with. So... That's that's a real thing
0: Yeah, and you know, we we mentioned my podcast earlier, but it's funny because when I did lose those job offers and obviously that happened as a result of the pandemic Nothing to do with me personally My reaction was like, okay, well then I have to go above and beyond I have to know everything there is to learn about my industry and again, like i'm very happy that resulted in in a podcast and these incredible conversations I have and the opportunities to learn from women like you, by the way, I I've had a job for a year now, but, um, it's amazing. Congrats. (laughs) Thank you. Um, but I will say that it, it just like feeling like that chip on your shoulder or feeling that imposter syndrome is, it's just a lot more prevalent. Like you said, totally. It's, It's tough. Are you enjoying your now job? Yeah, yeah. So I I do product at Citibank, which was kind of a career pivot for me. I was in marketing and digital strategy. You know, the pandemic really, and honestly, this podcast, hearing all the ways that Women could innovate in different industries. I never thought I'd end up at a bank, but then ending up at a bank, I was like, there aren't enough women that are representative of your average girl that probably has never invested or doesn't really understand. You know, I know you've had Mrs. Dow Jones on your podcast, and I think she's, you know, like she's an anomaly though, right? She's doing it on her own. So, yeah, she's amazing. It's so funny that you said that because I had lunch with her yesterday. I love what she's doing and I almost want to bring some of that energy to, you know, more traditional institutions. I love that. That's so awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. I guess thinking about you and you know the notion of what it means to be a founder. We've been speaking about it for in this podcast, but it has a bunch of different stereotypes, whether it is the tech bro, but also, you know, women who today are setting new standards for raising money. Yeah. But the way that you carry yourself makes me think that you have your own definition of what it means to be a founder. So I'd love to hear what that is and also curious to understand. what sorts of goals or unique growth vision you've kind of set for yourself or Lindsay's Lunchbox or we met at Acme or all of the above. Yeah, I think to
1: be a founder, it really just means that you dedicate your life mostly 24 seven to like you live, sleep, eat and breathe this baby that you founded. Everything that you do goes back to it. Any conversation you have, like, you're always thinking about, like, how can I, you know, use this in a positive way with this thing that I've created? Um, and so just, like, breathing it and then also setting a good example. I think when you're a founder or when you have any certain amount of followers on Instagram, let's say, mm-hmm. you have people that you're influencing, whether you want it to be the case or not, and you have to be mindful of that. I see a lot of founders who they... Spread messages that I wouldn't necessarily condone. And I think you have to realize that, like, people are looking up to you people who might want to step outside their corporate world and become a founder, or, you know, young girls who haven't graduated from college yet. And just making sure that you're always living up to the person that you wanted to be when you were younger and would have looked up to. And I think also just doing it's like beauty and grace you know it's like Mm -hmm, if you're going to be a founder mm -hmm. it's like the modern day like
0: princess like you have Mm -hmm. to kind of like you you got to do it all yeah no and and I think that that poses again like such such crazy pressures there's obviously been so many different controversies around you know women founders and the way they run their companies and I've always said whatever went went on on the inside, I'm I'm sure is what they're saying is true. But at the same time, because of the connection of these women to these brands, they've been the ones to really carry the burden of some of that criticism. So curious if, you know, seeing those stories or hearing those stories, did that deter you from wanting to be a founder? Yeah, I mean, it's it's terrifying.
1: Like, you know, especially with cancel culture and everything, you see these founders get scrutinized every day. But It's the same thing as like, you know, if you if you want to go on reality TV and you're scared that everyone's going to hate you, then like, what are you really scared of? You're scared of who you are, Mm -hmm. because like they can't really change you that much. So I think if you are true to yourself and you're a good person and you align with your values and you kind of stick to your morals and just and just are really good and you don't do anything bad and you don't send any email that you could you know, get in horrible trouble with then and you don't talk to your employees horribly on Slack and you know, these things that we see over and over again. It's almost like nice when this happens because I'm like, oh, another thing that I never will do. Um, you know, when somebody gets caught or in trouble and it's eye-opening. And I'm not saying I'm not like slamming people who have been in trouble in the past, like maybe they just made a mistake and
0: can learn from it, but it's, it's scary, but it's like not scary if you know who you are. I, you know, I don't think that the assessment of the way that they've been portrayed in the media is always fair, but I do think that it sets such a strong precedent to do a better job with building out a culture in your company or to be really mindful of the way that you communicate with your employees and, and other, you know, people. Mm -hmm. I think for you, something else that I'm hearing is that you seem to do a really good job of setting boundaries of who you are, who your business is, perhaps that work-life balance. I don't know. I'm curious to hear like, what are some boundaries and important, I guess, rules that you have made in relation to your own company? Well, I
1: will say it's really hard to make boundaries and set boundaries, especially like, for example, I am someone who loves to respond to people and give them advice when they DM me. And that's like a huge part of my persona and, you know, something that makes me feel really good to be able to help them. But it's gotten like out of hand in the past few years. And like, I will just get novels from people in in my messages. And <laughs> it's tough because I would love to sit there and, and give people advice all day. But it's it's not the kind of thing that I can afford to do. Like I have to spend my time really wisely. And so a boundary that I have set recently is like, you know, we have this thing called a Patreon and it's a way to donate money to, you know, that kind of thing, to giving advice and to, to all the content that people see and interact with. And if people want to be a member, which starts at $2 a month, I mean, it's not anything crazy, Mm -hmm. then they can go on Patreon, they can message me there. But at least then I know that they're doing something to support me while I'm, you know, taking the time out of my day to support them and to, to give them thoughtful advice. So that's like a really good boundary that has been helpful for me.
0: As somebody who really cares about women succeeding. And of course, I'd love to sit here and ask you about dating advice all day long. But that being said, like, it's not even a donation. It's, it's an exchange of value. Like you're providing such tremendous value for people who like, I don't know, want a dating profile makeover. You should be compensated, especially because you launch a podcast every week for free. So it's crazy to totally. me that people are like shocked by that. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. It's like, you know any
1: podcast that's still on itunes like is completely free and like for the most part unless you do a feature and most podcasts now are are becoming subscription-based and i and i never want to do that ever because like i want Mm -hmm. people to be able to access it but yeah it's it's interesting where the where the company is going or the the industry
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And even me, you know, like I get $0 from this. This is not a business revenue. The whole idea of this is to close the gender gap in innovation and give people free resources to learn from people like you to be able to do that. But even, you know, there are companies that reach out to me on this podcast and say like, we'd like for you to feature this CEO on this podcast. And it's like, Your company could pay for a sponsorship to actually enable us to do that, right? And to enable to close the gap. Like, how crazy. Exactly.
1: It's always that. And it's so interesting. And, you know, I get the question all the time, do you pay people to come on your podcast? And I'm like, why would (laughs) I pay them? This is
0: like, this is exposure, you know. If anything, they should be paying you. It's such an opportunity to align yourself with an amazing brand or an amazing nonprofit or an amazing company. So totally something else I've wondered about is, you know, you have a background, as we mentioned in social media, I think you did your undergrad in film and TV, but you are definitely a dating expert and I don't need to see any, you know, certificate proof of that, but how have you approached continuously growing in your field? Or did you feel like you needed some sort of qualification or, I don't know, certificate or degree? Like, has that come to mind for you?
1: Definitely, definitely. It was a big goal of mine to go back and get my license in social work. And, you know, possibly do like real therapy sessions and things like that. But I think the more people I talk to, the more they were like, why? Like, why do you need that? You know, people mm-hmm, are already mm-hmm. offering to pay you what, the same amount that you would get if you went through that. And, like, you have the experience under your belt. Like, that's the only thing that, like, you get when you do one of those programs. Right. And so I go back and forth, and it's definitely not off the table. But right now, I think I'm just going to focus on, like, things that I could do for my career now that don't necessarily involve going back to school just because it is so time consuming
0: as somebody who has two degrees while well, I learned a ton ultimately they gave maybe other people the the belief that I had more legitimacy i've had those same innate qualities within myself so i totally exactly. totally Agree about that, but I'm curious. Since you mentioned it, what are some of those ways that you want to grow yourself or your companies and, and grow your business?
1: I think just on a on a greater scale, being able to reach more people and give dating advice to like the masses at once. If there was a way to do that, whether it be on um, like a TV show or radio show, whatever mm-hmm. it is, to just reach more people, and then I think you know maybe there is something that is literary in the future when it comes to possibly a book with some of the things that I've learned when it comes to dating there's endless possibilities and we'll just we'll see where life takes us
0: I am loving this mystery and I will make sure to pre-order when that opportunity comes so very excited for you Um, But I actually want to call out the fact that one of the biggest reasons that I brought you on this podcast is that I have such great appreciation for the fact that you've taken a medium like podcasting and already created multiple facets of growth and application of that. So I know you launched a digital matchmaking service. You're on Patreon. We talked about it. You have events and mixers for people to pay and meet each other, comedy type show, and also merch. So how did you approach creating and growing this ecosystem of services and and products? And how have you decided what to say yes to or no to and and how to kind of manage your time with that?
1: For me, it has just been figuring out my strengths, and one of those strengths is setting people up. So I was like, How can I do that on a greater scale matchmaking or mixers? And then the live events we've been doing for quite a while, and that's just a really great way to meet everyone in person and see these people you know, who listen to the podcast and they don't put a face to a name. And then (laughs) we get to be in person and we get to showcase our personalities and I'll bring guests up and we'll go over their dating profiles. And it's this really fun interactive thing. And so everything has kind of been a natural progression from you know, it's a dating podcast. So what's dating? It's, it's getting set up. It's dating events. It's live events. Um, and so it's been, it's been very easy to transition to those things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. And it definitely seems organic and, Part of the cool things that I think you have with the platform of social media is that real time feedback to be able to see who's clicking into what and buying what what are people really reacting to. So I feel like that part of the business is probably really exciting to have also versus like at city for me to get feedback from somebody it's like it's it's a process.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's it's like you know it's big corporate environment too.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally and so i guess before we wrap it up i did want to touch on the role of gender in your own dating journey and also expand that to other women you know our listeners and guests are incredibly resilient women who are running their own companies they're running their own consultancies and departments of fortune 500 companies or perhaps you know attempting to get there Um, And so what dating advice can you give to these women that perhaps are killing it to their career, but have difficulty translating that success to the dating world?
1: I see it so often and with some of my good friends as well. And I think it's really just being like softer on yourself when it comes to dating. Like it's okay to kind of turn off that work mode and let yourself be pampered and be taken care of especially in hetero relationships like mm-hmm. i i think the worst thing a career woman can do is like not let a man pay and not let a man feel like he's pursuing them mm-hmm. um, like we get it you're successful and that's amazing but you can <laughs> still like be courted and be loved and be doted on and i think there's like getting in touch with that like femininity if if you Like if you have that in you, um, then just like embracing it and letting, letting yourself be treated really well. And I think we're so used to taking care of ourselves, especially as like, like girl bosses that you don't, it doesn't come naturally to think of someone, anyone else taking care of you, but allowing yourself to do that. And then also just like giving yourself time to let loose and like take your hair down and like enjoy the process instead of. You know, keeping the same attitude that you might have to have at the workplace, I think it's okay to have like two different sides, two different personalities to you, and um, kind of let yourself enjoy when you're when you're off the clock.
0: That's so so interesting that you say that because a lot of the times people talk about you know bringing your authentic self to work but i think it's almost like how do you bring your authentic self to the rest of your life when so much of your day to day involves like working incredibly hard going against gender norms having to prove your worth to people like it's so hard to just turn that off but i i really love what you are saying about the fact that it's okay to have that be like two distinct modes if you will so okay and like very normal. Truly, it always goes back to empathy and, and just allowing yourself to be your most authentic self. So, so thank you so much for sharing that.
1: Of course. Thank you for this conversation. It's been such a great way to start off my weekend.
0: Yes, absolutely. And so before I let you go, I do have to ask you one last innovation question. And that's the question that we ask all of our guests. And that is, where do you see yourself? and your industry one month from now, one year from now, and 10 years from now. Mm, One month from
1: now, still doing really great events. And so then one year from now, I think podcasts are really blowing up. I think everyone will have a podcast in as little as a year from now. I wouldn't be Mm. surprised at all. And I think in the future, the podcast that can survive the test of time will hopefully have bigger broadcast shows. Um, we met at me, obviously. <laughs> I hope that it does too. So manifest that for me. Mm-hmm. And then for myself, I see myself, you know, married with a little baby or two, hopefully in the next five years, and um, still finding a way to relate to my listeners, my followers, and give them hope when it comes to dating and teach them everything that I learned and all my mistakes that I made. So hopefully they don't make them themselves.
0: (laughs) Amazing. And, And on that, it's so exciting to see you share your engagement and soon marriage journey with your listeners. And thank you so much for really showing our listeners this awesome side of you today and sharing all of your wisdom. Thank you so, so much for having me on. And I really had such
1: a great time.
0: Thanks for listening to Win Win, brought to you by WIN, Women in Innovation, and myself, Zoya Kozakov. If you enjoy this podcast, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit innovation.co to learn more about our organization, programming, and other opportunities. And remember, when women innovate, we all win.